When I left school, I went to university to maybe sort of become a teacher or something, because that's what I knew to do. But there was an intervention, and that is the Beatles. You know, they went to Rishikesh and started talking about meditation, and so I picked up and said, to hell with this, I'm going to India, and I went to India. And I was like 19. I went to London, I saw Jimi Hendrix in London, and I saw the whole scene of the Rolling Stones and the Kinks and the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and uh, <clears throat> T-Rex. Extraordinary, extraordinary uh, people, you know. And was informed by that and then went to India and wandered around India, all over India, and met all kinds of yogis, known and unknown uh, yogis and famous gurus and <clears throat> some hoax gurus and some genuine gurus. What year was that? Uh, it was like 71. And then in 73, after wandering around India, I met, I went to Turbanamalai, the ashram of Ramana Maharishi. And there met uh, students of Desikachar and Krishnamacharya, and they were sincere people going to, you know, on pilgrimage to Ramana Ashram. And I was there uh, being sincere as, as I could, and they just told me about yoga because I hadn't had much success in finding yoga teaching. And in fact, I'd run away from a few yoga teachers who I thought were pompous, arrogant fools, you know that I'd studied with who had ashrams, and it was disappointing for me. And so I came there and started studying with Dasagachar and Krishnamacharya, and it was like, oh my goodness, it was like informed uh, Indian spirituality, you know, in informed, uh, reliable teachings on yoga. Who was that in Chennai? In Chennai, yeah. But uh, Krishnamacharya had been here but when the Raj Maharaj system collapsed, that political system, he was he didn't have a job. Which is one thing, you know, he came here to his yoga shala one day and there was padlocks on the door. You know, it was a very upsetting thing for him in his uh, you might say life mission to uh, be thrown out of his own uh, teaching circumstance and the ending of patronage that he had. And he had to go to Madras uh, to make a living as a humble yoga teacher, you know, teaching private students and so forth. So I arrived there and having been wandering around India for quite a year and a half or more, um, finding all kinds of extraordinary things, but there'd be, there was no one explaining to me about how to respond, you know, efficiently and successfully to all the different gurus and powers, and there is an extraordinary country, this country, uh, full of charlatans and full of beauty also. And it's hard to sift out, you know, and it's hard, it was hard for me as a young man to know how to respond appropriately for me, you know, to the uh, powerful influences that had come in my life. So uh, I responded well to their academic teachings of yoga. And I even wanted to go and, you know, I, went, I was <clears throat> had a, um, some time with Muktananda in the, in the, up in, um, near 
Mumbai, and I wanted to go and I could see how they were completely needed to uh, make use of the, the, that empowerment that was coming through that line of uh, teachers and that, you know, that vast uh, Siddha tradition. That, I mean, the, thing, the whole thing is a mess now. And I'd say it's a mess because there's no yoga in it. There's no teaching on actual yoga, how to conduct the, the life current through your own body, how to conduct it with, with the yoga that's needed to respond to such an influence. Is it, it's the same as saying to a Christian, you know, you need yoga to respond to <laughs> what the blessings that you, you have on you. And yoga and the yoga of sexuality too, of course, you know, there must be an intelligent uh, response in life to that great force, which is the force of life itself. And there's none. It's, it's hidden, it's taken away, and the whole, in all of it, there's, it's just a mess. And, you know, wherever you have a power structure and some kind of, like, powerful spiritual transmission, but you're not teaching yoga and sexuality, the whole thing turns into a mess. In every single case, we could go through a long list. And so that sort of became my commitment to, to teach my own friends, my people that I knew in, in that particular um, group, uh, and then to the rest of the world. And, and I just got momentum in it. I was visiting Deskachar, and I went to the US, and I said, sir, do you realize what's going on? <laughs> do you realize what they're doing, calling yoga? And your, te your father's teaching is not there at all. It's not represented at all. And I said, we have to do something about it. And he said, well, please, if you could, please do something. I said, well, at least there has to be a book explaining your father's uh, teaching because it, there's a lot in it and the world doesn't have it. What they have is this gymnastics that they're calling yoga. So I got to work. In terms of uh, what I discovered as a young person in spiritual pursuit in, in this world and in and in India, what I discovered with Krishnamacharya and Desikachar to me was absolute pure gold for humanity. And I saw that it, it, was, it had been lost in the haystack. <laughs> so needles of gold had been lost in the haystack. And I felt just a urgency, just so important to get down and hold it because I didn't feel that Krishnamacharya and Desikachar necessarily had the skills, the worldly skills to do it. They weren't marketing, you know, they weren't uh, like that. They were sincere uh, scholars, you might say, and yogis, and they had the limits of their own uh, society on them. And then they had the limits of all the uh, appropriation of yoga that happened uh, in the US and you know all of that went on and it was it was all a bit too much for Dasgachar you know where he he felt that his father I told you that um, the fa his father hadn't seen the results of his own work and Krishnamacharya was also very upset with the way his work had been associated with you know the popularization of yoga and that he had been ignored in and that, um, <clears throat> and that success of 
the brands of yoga. And so he, you know, he had a lot of disappointment in him. You know. So that when The Heart of Yoga was published in the US in 1995, I was like, I was up there. <laughs> I was like, that, the, that book, The Heart of Yoga, was my calling card to the world. And I started teaching in LA and New York and all over the place. And, and I was saying, you know, this is what we need in yoga. <clears throat> but by that time, you know, the gymnastic brands, the branding of yoga as extreme, um, exaggerated body shapes uh, had been branded as that is what yoga is. And it, was, it had all taken off as, you know, a multi, a billion dollar industry, 17 million Americans spending a thousand a year on yoga by the time I got to the US. So it was big business. And there was a small voice in the midst of that. So it was, it was a lot to um, try to do. But I gave it a go. You know.